Welcome, we are back. You are listening to What We Should Have Learned in School. And since it is the first month of a new year, I really wanted to reflect a little bit on the past year and and my biggest lessons and take-homes of the past year. So I'll invite you to just kind of get comfy wherever you are and reflect on where were you a year ago? What, what things were important to you then? Are those things still important to you? Maybe there was a difficulty then that seemed uh, massive and now it has since kind of resolved itself. Or maybe the opposite is true. Maybe you're struggling with the same habitual thoughts, problems, and desires as you did a year ago. A year ago for me, <laughs> seems like a lifetime ago. Maybe you can relate to that. I don't know. But aside from everything that's happened um, circumstantially, you know, with the with the global pandemic and with a lot of political uh, discord, we'll say, and, and, and upheaval uh, in the U.S. and around the world, a year ago, I was I was sitting on a beach in Miami, and I was reflecting on what I was going to choose for my quote-unquote impossible project. Uh, My husband and I were reading a book by Michael Neal, something about uh, creating the impossible, you know, this kind of thing. And and the book is really trying its best (laughs) to uh, help people get out of their own way and help us not be such a byproduct of our conditioning, of what we are taught is realistic and unrealistic. Because as it so happens... Uh, yes, real circumstances exist, and yet we are often playing a very big role in, in holding ourselves back. Um, that tendency for us to self-sabotage, the tendency for us to um, not be able to, to change our habits, right? Uh, that's a big thing the first month of the year, always with the New Year's resolutions or New Year's goals or things like that. And I think people, have, uh, especially as people get older, it seems, they become kind of bitter about New Year's resolutions because they feel they never work. There is another path, uh, aside from willpower, that can open us up to <laughs> impossible uh, opportunities, uh, to put another way. So let me let me make this a little more concrete. My impossible project... For me, it came down to something with my music career because I've always had an inner calling to sing and to perform and to songwrite. Those of you listening that knew me as a child can attest that that's true as I formed girl group after girl group and performed at every possible school event and uh, Labor Day party and Fourth of July party and so on and so forth. So it really occurred to me that I don't want to be just a solo artist, right? I've been trying to do this on my own as a solo artist since 2012. And it has brought with it a lot of learning, but at the same time, it was very clear that I'm ready for something different. I'm ready to see something different. I'm ready to approach my music in a different way. And so the idea that occurred to me on the beach in Miami was uh, creating some kind of group, some kind of international group where people of different cultures, different styles of singing could come together, share their wisdom and art with the world, and that we could make a living and have fun doing it, touring the world, giving talks, sharing our experiences, listening to others, and most importantly, uh, making and performing music, right? So that was my impossible project in January of 2020. To be honest, I thought it was just going to be a nice idea 
because I've had a lot of nice ideas when it comes to music, right? I've had the nice idea of auditioning for The Voice of Finland. I had the nice idea of studying at a vocal academy in Copenhagen. I had the nice idea of traveling to uh, conferences like ASCAP and South by Southwest by myself back in uh, like 2012, 2013, 2014. Um, I've had the nice idea of studying with experts like Carrie Cole in New York City. So they've all been ideas related to my music and I've t- taken action on them. And yet what has happened in this year is immensely different. It feels different. The opportunities keep <laughs> coming, uh, dare I say effortlessly? I know that sounds weird, but ever since I have seen for myself the way that I was relating to myself, my, my, my idea I had of myself as a singer-songwriter, when I really saw in, I, I think it was the summer of this year, When I really saw doing an exercise from my friend, uh, Marie Vandenberg, she had a course on 30 days of authenticity. And she had this day where she uh, invited us to just free write. And I was like, oh, all right, I'll do it. You know, she's my friend. I'll do it. I didn't really think uh, in that course. uh, Again, I set the intention, the intention for, um, you know, getting more freedom with my music. But honestly, I I didn't think anything was going to happen. Right. That was my, that was my belief at the time backed up by my experience that it never goes as far as I would like it to with music, no matter what I try. (laughs) I'm not having the impact. uh, I I, I know that I can have and, and not uh, sharing as authentically as I know I could have. And the reason for that was discovered uh, as I laughed out loud doing this exercise that my friend Marie told me to do to just free write. And I realized, holy crap, I've had uh, what's called a victim mentality with music um, pretty much my entire adult career. By victim mentality, I mean I've been waiting for someone else to do it for me. I've been waiting, dare I say, uh, I have been desperate for approval, some sign from the outside world that what I'm doing is the right thing, right? Uh, I've been making excuses for reasons why I can't do certain things, why I can't do uh, the genre that I love so much. I, I I really could see how much that that pattern of thinking was holding me back from taking action that would actually change my situation, my relationship with music. So I laughed out loud. And then miraculously, uh, a few days later, it was around my birthday, my husband and I had a heart to heart and he really asked, you know, what, what do you want to do with music? And I was fearless enough to respond to him that I really wanted to be uh, making an impact. I wanted to be a pop star in Finland, <laughs> which is funny because I don't speak Finnish well at all. But, uh, but then, you know, the light bulb kind of went off in his head and he for himself saw ways that he also was not being as supportive as he could be. Of course, he's been supportive. He was supportive on Voice of Finland, but he also would be quick to admit that he also had this kind of sticky thinking, this kind of insecurity, this thought that if I do become popular, if I do have success in my music career, that uh, that I might leave him, right? So it's like a little bit of jealousy, a little bit of insecurity, very natural, a little bit of anxiety about a life that we've never experienced. He kind of saw that for what it was, and then it cleared up cleared up space in his mind where we could really create what is now actually a brand new company. So it's like amazing that uh, only within six months, so this was August, 
where we had that heart to heart and we started getting excited. We started brainstorming possibilities. And granted, this is all in the middle of the coronavirus. So there's something about human beings tapping into hope for the future, um, living our dreams, going for our dreams that can be very energizing, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances, right? Because I was finding when I was just kind of obsessed with the news, with whether it was coronavirus or political uh, upheaval and problems, uh, it really just uh, promoted feelings of anxiety within me. And and ultimately, uh, I'm getting anxious over things I can't control. I can do my best to be safe, but at the end of the day, I can't control what the impact of the virus is going to be economically, what it's going to be uh, physically for people that I love, physically for myself, um, and, and not to mention the, the millions of, of, of other global citizens around the world who have been affected by this, millions and millions of people. So anyways, I digress. So, <laughs> you know, uh, again, kind of uh, freeing up the, the, the space within our minds to create something together, to, to create something good, to do our part to, to, to follow our authentic selves, to, uh, interact with, guess what? Uh, two other amazing artists that I never would have dreamed. I would now be, uh, signed to the same label as them. So there's three of us now, and it is exactly in a way what I envisioned on the beach in January. It, it is a group of three artists that come from different countries. Uh, we have different, uh, maybe, uh, experiences of different countries that we've lived in. And yet, uh, the dedication to being authentic, the dedication to singing and sharing and connecting genuinely with others is so alive within this group of people. Uh, It's not a girl group, I will say, but the amazing part is we can each have our own solo careers and yet still be a community, still have that group mentality of supporting one another. And this is just incredible how this happened. This isn't something I could have uh, could have forced. I couldn't have predicted this. I couldn't have created a 10-step plan for this and checked off a bunch of boxes because as we <laughs> were, were uh, impassioned and, and enlivened in August, my husband and I about the possibilities with music and him stepping on board more with the music, I just had the spontaneous idea <laughs> one night when we're dancing and doing a little karaoke, uh, having an in- indoor party with just us, because of course we can't go to any nightclubs, but, uh, it occurred. I said, Hey, two artists, uh, from voice of Finland came to mind. And I said, Oh my gosh, what if we created a song with the three of us that we submitted for Eurovision, uh, for Finland? So the Americans that are listening, you might have heard of Eurovision from the Will Ferrell, uh, <laughs> uh, Netflix show. That was uh, that aired last year, the year before. Eurovision is kind of like the singing uh, songwriting Olympics in Europe. Every country elects uh, a representative, and it's kind of this big kind of fun thing in, in Europe. So we had that idea. It brought us together. It was really phenomenal to see what then happened. So uh, to our excitement, both artists said yes, they would they would uh, join the project with us. Our first Skype call. Uh, was five hours long. <laughs> and uh, so little of that was actually songwriting. It was us getting to know one another, getting to know each other's stories. But the synergy was there. There was a very real and tangible feeling of this makes sense to collaborate with these artists. And so 
from creating one song that we had to put together in less than two weeks and we're in different countries and trying to figure out the logistics of recording during uh, during the pandemic, we, we, we were able to make the deadline for the uh, Eurovision uh, final for, uh, for Finland. And then uh, it occurred to us, uh, why, why would we not just make a company? <laughs> so, so here we are. My husband and, and mother-in-law have formed a company here. Uh, EM Music in Finland. It's at the very uh, beginning stages, but uh, we we're, we're all working together now and, and use utilizing each of our strengths, keeping an open mind, staying patient, and and realizing that the limitations forced upon us are not things we have to buy into. Not saying it's going to be a cakewalk, uh, but at the end of the day, we're not in this. For the business to make money, we're not in this to uh, inflate our own egos and how great singers we are. All of us are in this for a deeper reason, a reason that will create cross-cultural dialogue, a, a, a reason that involves breaking down stereotypes, a reason that involves um, daring to fail, daring to not be so attached to who we think we are and so attached to uh, what others will say about us. This is like a very interesting thing because so often, how many times you hear, you might have people like this in your life that say, I don't care what people think. But at the end of the day, it's it's very uh, difficult, I will say, or maybe not difficult, but it's definitely an exercise to detach from being influenced by the opinions of other people and, and ultimately caring about um, how people perceive us. You know, for so many years, I was so uh, apprehensive to put videos up on YouTube because I didn't want to get any nasty trolling comments or, or a thumbs down. But, you know, <laughs> uh, it's so it's so weird to me how we have like these cliches, like, uh, you know, if, if you are trying to please everybody, then you're going to end up uh, pleasing nobody. Okay, that's not the exact phrase, but you know, it goes something like that. And it's like... <laughs> Clichés become true to us because of our ability for fresh realization, for our ability to understand more deeply um, how we are as human beings, not just at a personal level, but at a more universal level. There's a lot of power in starting to investigate the definitions that you have of yourself and the habits, the thought patterns, the actions that back that up. Because in the example of my quote-unquote victim mentality with music, if I truly believed, and I guess I did, (laughs) that I needed permission from someone else and many other people in order to fully lean into the kind of music I wanted to create. You see, if I believe I'm inadequate as I am, then I will behave in a way that will prove what I believe about myself to be true. So if I believe it's too scary to do something, if I believe that I'm going to fail, then of course, even if I consciously want success, I'm going to take action 
that keeps in line with what my core belief about myself as a musician is. I hope that was a good enough example to try to show how much of a vicious circle we can uh, get stuck in. Uh, I, I can use a more concrete example. My husband uses this one, and I think this is a pretty good one. So he, his whole life, was told that he was bad at math. Uh, he had poor performance in math. But it's almost like, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg with that? Because if you struggle with math, let's say uh, it could only be even one or two times, one or two times that someone may struggle with something early on in math. They get the feedback from the teacher. They may get feedback from their parents or other students that they quote unquote don't know how to do math. Well, that sets off a vicious cycle of now The child believes that they can't do math. Fundamentally, that's what they believe about themselves. So their actions are going to have to follow what they believe most true about themselves. You see, they they, they have to be bad in math in order to fit the image they have of themselves. And it becomes a very vicious cycle. Again, when that then gets reinforced by your environment. But the truth of it is, My husband can do basic math. He can do the math he needs to do to run the businesses. You know, like I'm not saying that maybe uh, someone that struggles with math uh, early on will end up being a mathematician. Maybe they will. But but there is something about we are artificially pushing down what our potential is. We are pushing down our ability. We don't actually know what our ceiling is for a certain skill because we hold very, very strong ideas about the quote-unquote kind of person that we are. And we always have to behave in a way that fits the kind of person that we think we are. I did a Facebook Live uh, for the first time in a very long time earlier in the month. And this, uh, this idea came to mind as another form of an example. So, uh, It could be, uh, let's say that someone's in a pretty hot or cold uh, relationship. It's it's a very difficult relationship. Maybe that person's family or friends uh, kind of asks, why are you with this person? That kind of thing. Uh, (laughs) Humans always have opinions of things. But anyways, I digress. Uh, So let's let's imagine in this uh, relationship, again, it's very hot or cold. Let's imagine that there has been some betrayal there. Um, Someone has maybe cheated. Uh, someone has been uh, putting the other person down, right? It's not what we would call a quote-unquote healthy relationship. Now, if if you're the person uh, being cheated on or the person being lied to or the person putting up with, um, let's say, angry spells from the other person and you think of yourself as a good, quote-unquote, kind, uh, loving, caring person, this shows how powerful how powerful, it's so powerful. The way we label ourselves, the way we describe ourselves has such an impact on our day-to-day lives. Because if you believe yourself to be a good person and if all your family and friends call you a good, loving, nurturing person, it is a possibility that you will, uh, as that loving, caring person, nurturing person, stay in a relationship that is truly not uh, healthy for you that isn't um, creating an opportunity for you to thrive, that you might always be in reaction mode. You might always um, have these moments of feeling uh, that you don't trust this person because of what's happened in the past. 
And so you're kind of in this internal battle with yourself. It's like you have the feeling that something is wrong and you're being treated poorly. But because you describe and label yourself and think of yourself as a loving, caring person, you stay in the relationship because that's what an unconditionally loving person would do, right? We all make mistakes. That is true. But you can see how our idea of ourself, no matter whether it's positive or if it's negative, it it can blind us from responding in the moment in a way that may best suit our future. Because if you're in this relationship, it could be five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or more years that go by where, um, you know, the person, uh, where you as a person are, are, are most of the time not so happy, you know, during a large chunk of that. And this isn't about passing judgment. We all, um, we all have our burdens to bear. We all have our paths to walk. And every relationship is different, just like every musical career is different. Every academic career is different. My point is just how powerful, how powerful the sometimes hidden ideas we have of ourselves are, our self-image. Uh, the, the, the pieces of our self-image that are the most powerful are sometimes the parts that we're not really even conscious of. We've just kind of absorbed through osmosis as we've grown and we've gotten feedback from the world and someone tells us we're this kind of person. And we're like, yeah, I am that kind of person. Then we start to own being that kind of person. Well, then we show up in situations more and more as that kind of person, whether we think of ourselves as a shy person or an extroverted person or uh, an anxious person. Uh, we'll have moments of all of that. But our idea about ourselves is so strong that it only brings to our attention that which we already believe about ourselves. It limits our ability to see different pathways, different actions, um, and so on and so forth. So very, very powerful stuff. I, I did just want to share again how excited I am and honored I am to be alongside two other amazing artists who I'm sure uh, I, I will be able to, to disclose shortly. Uh, but, but being accountable to a group of musicians, singers, songwriters, and, and business people as we grow together and ultimately just have fun and, 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 and leave our legacy for the world. You know, what, what greater uh, gift than to create songs that are authentic, that may move some other people, maybe they don't, but either way, they're a snapshot of our unique experience and wisdom that we bring to the world because we all bring our own perspective. And there's nuggets of wisdom in each of our perspectives. With that being said, I know this was a little bit longer of an episode than usual, but I just wanted to share what's been fresh on my heart and uh, my biggest uh, seeing for, for 2020, which was the power of self-image and the often unknown descriptions that we hold about ourselves. And the beauty of it is it's just an opinion. <laughs> it's not an absolute fact. It's descriptions that may be true in some circumstances, but other circumstances uh, may not be true. So play around with that. Enjoy. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon.